Hello, and welcome to Localities Making Bank podcast with host Keith Costello, co-founder and CEO of Locality Bank. Sit back, relax, and let South Florida visionaries take you on an entrepreneurial journey from tribulation to triumph as they share the very stories that have shaped them. Henry Fletches, welcome to Localities Making Bank podcast. Great. Thanks for having me. Really excited about having Henry here for a couple of reasons. One is this guy, he's running the biggest company that we've had on yet. You know, his company's probably going to do 400 million this year, uh, conservatively in revenues. So uh, from, a, from an entrepreneurial standpoint, this is a real success story uh, of a guy who started a company 27 years ago. And we're really excited about hearing your story. But also, we're, we're a client of, uh, of Henry's company, UDT. So uh, thank you we, for that, we, by the way. Absolutely. Appreciate the we trust could, you placed in us. Oh, uh, well, you, you guys have helped us immensely. So we appreciate that. So Henry, let's start out in the beginning. Like, where'd you grow up? And, you know, tell us about your family when you're growing up. I, I like to hear from entrepreneurs because sometimes they got some good stories about family where this entrepreneurial thing kind of started. Yeah. So actually it, it absolutely started at home, right? My, uh, um, I, I was born in Hialeah. Right. Uh, my parents were both Cuban. They immigrated to the United States. Um, they met and married here in the States. Okay. Uh, when I was born, I was born in Hialeah, Hialeah Hospital to be exact. Then we moved to Carroll City, which is now known as Miami Gardens. And, you know, growing up, my dad worked, I remember he worked at least two jobs, if not three jobs. Wow. Uh, he worked full time. Then he would work after hours. He would work on the weekends. But, you know, but some of the things that I remember is that my dad always came home for dinner. Right. And that was important to him for him to spend time with us as a family. Um, but the other thing I remember is that as early as the age of seven, um, you know, my dad would take me to work and he was in the business of repairing commercial kitchen equipment. And he would take me as early as the age of seven, put me on a milk carton upside down. I'd sit there and we'd clean dishwasher arms with mineral spirits. And, wow. you know, it's kind of the way that it's <laughs> the way it was, right? Yeah. You, you'd get up and over the summer, there were no breaks. You'd go to work. So for me, you know, seeing my dad be an entrepreneur and continue to do things after hours and on the weekends and and that work ethic that he instilled in us, it was just kind of par for the course, right? It was natural. So, you know, definitely got the entrepreneurial spirit from my from uh, from my father and from my family. Well, that's a great story. Did uh, and then tell us wh- where'd you end up going to school and and where to go so, from there? Thank you for asking that. Right yeah. um, after you know lived in Miami Gardens, Carroll City, Miami Gardens for some time. Uh, my parents put me in, I was in public school for a while. Then they put me in a private school named Dade Christian. And uh, that's where I actually met my business partner today, playing high school ball together. Um, I was a sophomore. He was a senior. We played same side of, of, of the ball, football, right? Tight end, defensive end. And a uh, funny story, you know, he um, we were running a drill. And uh, he's on one end with a dummy. Quarterback throws the ball. I got to catch it. And, you know hunker down and then he hits me with a with the uh with the dummy. Uh but he throws a dummy on the floor, tells the quarterback to throw it in the air. I try to catch it. My ribs are exposed. He tries to break my ribs. <laughs> right? And it was because I was a rookie. And uh fast forward, you know, he knocked the air out of me. I was on the floor. But next time around, I wasn't worried about the quarterback. I wasn't worried about the football. I was worried about just hitting him as hard as he hit me. And that's how him and I started our relationship. Wow. Right? playing high school football, um, work ethic. We learned a lot from our high school football coaches. We still 
are friends with him to this day. We go fishing with some of them. Wow. And uh, my business partner, Gerard Amaro, actually goes to visit Wofford up in Alabama. They go hunting together. So uh, still a relationship that to this day we we uh, we nurture and, and we value. So cool. Yeah. So how did you... So you went out to college and is that where you started a learning so he went off technology? to he went off to liberty university yep. played football there i stayed here um had to had to help yep. so i started working and going to school full-time at fiu uh three years into that um st- got my first start in it working for miami-dade community college at medical center in the it department there uh, very grateful for that opportunity I spent a year there and then i i gerard came back from school he had gotten hurt um, hurt his leg, hurt his arm playing football. So came back and, um, you know, I said, look, you know, let, let's do this. Let's start this business. We had no customers, no experience, no money, but we had nothing to lose. So <laughs> let's hold, let's, let's hold, let's put quotes around that one, right? <laughs> I can no money, no experience, no, no, nothing to lose. I love that. That is great. But it's the truth. I mean, Keith, yeah. really, you know, when you really, in many cases, we reinvented things that already existed, right? Mm-hmm. We like to say that that didn't help us because it kind of slowed us down a bit. But um, but again, we had no money, no customers, no experience, but we had nothing to lose. So we gave it a shot. And um, you were still in college? I was at FIU in my third year. Wow. And Gerard actually had come back from Liberty and uh, gotten re-engaged back. Um, he was working early in the morning at a gym. Then he would uh, he was kind of a big dude. So he would bounce. I met Gerard. Yeah, he, is he would guy. bounce uh, <laughs> and in at nights, and then he would go to school in between. So he'd open a gym in the morning, go to school in between, and then bounce at uh, different places around town at night in order to be able to pay for school and help his parents. Yeah. Um, so you know, we again that work ethic was there, and we didn't. He didn't know anything about technology. Then he started working at a paging company. Um, didn't know anything about technology, but he had a strong work ethic. I saw that on the field when I played with him. And I saw that as hard as he played, trying to uh, find a spot up at Liberty. And then when he came back, he he never stopped, right? He jumped right into work and helping his father and getting enrolled back in school. So the work ethic was there and him and I had a great relationship. We stayed in contact while he was away at school and while I finished high school and then started FIU here. So, um, you know, it's kind of a, that's how we got together. So what year was that that you, you know, started the company and where'd you start it? So I, um, I graduated high school in 91. He graduated in 89. We started the business in 95 together. So uh, it was at the beginning of my, end of my third year at school, beginning of fourth year. Started it in Doral. Um, really gathered enough money to be able to buy, I'll never forget, we had $10,000 in the bank that we had made by working after hours, weekends, helping support small businesses, right? Mm-hmm. And after our first $10,000, we bought our first asset, which we still have today, a Hewlett Packard LaserJet 4 printer, right? <laughs> and um, I've kept that. It's kind of a, muse- a, a, a museum piece at our office, <laughs> yeah. right? And uh, we bought a couch and we rented a small office at the Kroger Center in Doral. And, you know, we kind of got started. Wow. Uh, Gerard kept working his full-time jobs and I was able to leave Miami-Dade after a year and literally started the business. That's so cool. So, so um Let's go from there to, you know, so you're getting, you're getting customers, you're, you're starting this business. When did you start to realize that you needed some financing or some money to kind of keep this thing going? That happened pretty much immediately, right? 
you know, listen, back then, you know, a PC was two to $4,000. Yeah. So if you had a customer and they needed to buy three or four computers, and this was right when the internet was starting to be, you know, really, it wasn't really even a thing yet, right? We were, we started by placing networks and, and installing and implementing networks and offices. The computers weren't even networked together, right? Wow. Um, so there was no internet, there was no web base, there was no cloud, none of that existed. We were really putting networks in place in order to be able to use, you know, this accounting application that was being created that you could network a couple computers together and make them work. So, but if a customer called and they needed to buy three or four computers, that that was easily ten to fifteen thousand dollars. Yeah. We didn't have that kind of money. Right. And we didn't have the credit worthiness at a distributor to be able to have a line of credit. So we we quickly had to start looking for someone who was going to give us some financing and there's a story in itself in, in, in that. Well, let's hear, let's hear that story. Look, you know, um, part of the reason that I was excited to do this and that I was willing to do this with you is that locality bank um, brings a lot of value to the local community. When we first started, we we applied with a with a big bank um, that I won't name, uh, but you know, we applied and it took us six or eight months only to be denied for a line of credit and to be uh, granted a credit card with an. $8,600 line of credit. My partner and I had to personally guarantee. My partner's wife had to personally guarantee. And it was $8,600 on a credit card, right? So if you bought two, if you bought two computers at the time, That's you it. were maxed out, right? <laughs> yeah. So that was a struggle for us getting started. And, you know, to some degree limited by the amount of credit that we had, um, by how good our customers were and being able to pay us. And the quicker they'd pay us, the quicker we could pay the credit card down, the quicker we could go get another customer to go do more work for them. Um, and at the time, I met uh, I met a banker at Barnett Bank. And, um, you know, I said, what do I have to lose? I had been trying for six to eight months at this really large bank at the time. And uh, I walked into a branch in, in Doral. Um, a lady by the, time came, uh, by the name of Tammy Calvo was there. And I filled out a one-page application, and in 24 hours, I got approved for $50,000. Wow. And I could definitely tell you that that was um, the start to giving us the freedom, or the capability, I should say, not freedom, but to be able to go out and try to drive and earn more customers, right? Yeah. And um, it was important because Barnett Bank at the time was a local bank based in Florida, headquartered in Florida, was predominantly and really only a Florida bank, and um, they, they helped us get our start. I, I love that story. And, you know, we do talk to a lot of entrepreneurs about the same thing. And, and usually there is uh, a story like that where somebody looked at the entrepreneur, had confidence in them and said, okay, you know, we're, we're going to give you an opportunity and, and provide that financing. So, and, and really that is, so thanks for saying that about our bank. That is what we're all about. Yeah. Listen, Barnett Bank at the on. time was really focused on the community and investing in that community. And it would, it would not only take an investment in the community, but also uh, take a risk in that community, right? And uh, if you don't have a bank that's willing to absorb that at, at a local level, it's hard for organizations like us to get started. It really would have been very difficult for us to get started. Yeah. So within three months, um, they moved that up to $150,000. Um, wow. So it was, it was really important, right? Wow. Because it really gave us an opportunity to, you know, when, when our first opportunity came around that was more than a couple thousand dollars, it was $60,000. We actually had the opportunity to finance that. Yeah. And that became our largest first customer and they became our customer for a decade, right? Until they got sold and transferred to somebody else. But that's that's how we got started. It wow. was a really important start for us. So 27 years in business. Tell us about 
you know, who would you go to for advice? Any mentors that really stand out that helped you through those years? Wow. You know, look, uh, that's a great question. Uh, I can tell you that we've been really fortunate to have some great people help us along the way. Um, some of that is, you know, a, a professional organization like Vistage and a guy like Carl Sprague. Um, to this day, he's still a coach that I lean on, an executive coach that I lean on for advice, for unbiased advice, for a different perspective, right? Um, but I tell you, we had customers along the way that gave us an opportunity, right? That bet on two young um, two young guys that, you know, they, they offer. still young. Well, thank you for that. <laughs> Not as young as I used to be for sure. But, um, but you know, they, they took it, they, they, they bet on us, right? Yeah. They gave us an opportunity. They gave us the opportunity to earn their business every day. And along the way taught us things, right? Um, a lady by the name of, uh, Linda Canton worked for one of our largest customers still to this day, now retired, but, um, kind of a long story, but within, Within a very short time frame, I learned more from her about how to do business in state, local, and education than I did 20 years after that, right? Wow. So over a six-month period, she just took us underneath her arm and really educated us on the do's and don'ts. Do this, don't do that, right? So, you know, really, you know, lots of folks have really been... Um, and then there's other business owners along the way that are just willing to give back. I can, I can name many organizations or individuals to this day, Angel Alvarez, which I know will be on a future podcast with you. You should pay attention to Angel. He's going to be great. (laughs) Um, Really good dude, very underassuming, but really successful personally, professionally, and uh, just a great human being. So I've leaned on him and and Brad, which is uh, one of his counterparts at the previous organization. I've leaned on them over the years and they've given us good advice and given me good advice. So, you know, you just you find good people along the way, right? Yeah. So in, as you're, as you're thinking about your position, your company, and, and as I said, you know, you've grown tremendously through those 27 years, as you look back, you know, where were the inflection points? Uh, and, and, you know, you were mentioning about your business shift a little bit earlier and how have you managed through, uh, you know, everything I'm sure you're not doing today, what you were doing 27 years ago. We weren't. And look, inflection points in our business, being in the IT space, right? And maybe I should just talk a little bit about what we do to kind yeah. of give people. So today we predominantly focus on two major things, right? Secure digital transformation embedded in that business is uh, secure digital one-to-one learning at scale. So obviously something really important during COVID because of the adoption of mobile devices and digital learning, right? Um, so not only was not only is it good business for us, but very fulfilling because we feel that we helped at a very difficult time uh, as a nation, as, a, as an economy, as a, as a global society, right? We helped ensure that kids continue to get educated. So it was good for business in terms of, you know, there was a lot of demand for mobility devices at a time when many bad things were happening around us. Um, but it gave us a, a ray of sunshine in terms of we're actually doing something good here, right? Mm-hmm. We're making, we weren't in healthcare, right? We're not delivering care for people that were sick, but we were helping kids um, create an educational platform that they could leverage to get educated at a time when education was not easy, right? Uh, and then the other thing we do is we really feel strongly about our national security as an organization. So we do a lot to defend our national security, whether that's because we help commercial customers in the banking, healthcare, energy, water supply, or because we help state and local customers uh, protect their, from a cyber resiliency perspective, or if we're supporting, you know, our federal customers in that space. Mm-hmm. But we feel that 
national security doesn't just get handled in the federal environment. Um, you know, if you think about it, there are federally elected officials and there are military personnel that um, buy a target or, right, and we need to protect their identity and we need to protect their information. Right. Um, so national security and cybersecurity is something that's done um, across multiple levels throughout our economy. So, you know, in terms of inflection points, we've always relied on what we deliver to the customer as inflection points, as moments in time where we have an opportunity to make a difference, to deliver an outcome that's something that our customer may need, and then be able to leverage that to drive more value for them and therefore give us the opportunity to grow and scale. So we haven't really relied on a technology per se or a particular um, brand along the way. Brands have helped, no question. They've also even helped um, brands like HP, Cisco, and others have really helped us um, provide opportunities to help us grow and, and provided some mentoring along the way. But the inflection points were really around, is there a shift in the need in the customer base? And what are we going to deliver to them that's going to enable them? And then how do we do more of less? And whenever we focus on doing more of less, that really gives us the opportunity to focus and grow, right? Yeah. So whether it was during the dot-com or then you know, during the 2005 and then after the, two, the bubble in 2008, we've always found ways to continue to grow, but it's because we focused on what does the market need and what do our customers need for us to deliver for them? And we need to be there before they need it, right? So asking the right questions and getting feedback from customers gives us insight into what do we need to do next in order to be ready for what they need next. That's great. And those inflection points really have helped us scale. So if customers, so people watching this, a lot of them have businesses, right? Entrepreneurs and, and everybody uses technology now. So, I mean, we're a small business and we use you. So I would say if they're watching this and they are interested in cybersecurity or have have those types of needs, they can reach out to your company, I would assume. Yeah, we'd, we'd love to hear from them, okay. right? Um, you can, you can look us up on the web, www.udtonline.com. Uh, you can reach out to me, hfletches at udtonline.com, and I'll get you to the right person. But it, look, you know, we have a philosophy that you build your business one customer at a time. And every day is an opportunity to either earn their business or lose it. And we know that, you know, what we've done in the past uh, matters less than what we need to do for you in the present. And what we do in the past may be the reason that you give us another opportunity in the future, but it doesn't necessarily mean that we deserve that business in the future. And a lot of small businesses believe that, because I know that at one point in time, we thought the same thing. We deserve this opportunity, right? We've, we've been good to this customer. And the reality is that you come to an understanding that, you know, you deserve to get paid for the things that you do. But it's your, it's your responsibility to work diligently to earn that opportunity every day and to earn the trust of your customer every day. That is great advice right there, right? So to continue to earn that customer, not, not just take that for granted because you made that first sale or, you know, so. Look, I, I've, we've taken it for granted in the past and we've lost good customers in the process. That's a great Right, point. because we've thought, look, we've done so much business with them that when we've made a mistake, they, they're going to be okay with it. And it's okay if you work hard to recover. But if you think that the relationship will get you through it, they have a business to protect, they have employees to take care of, they have shareholders or stakeholders or clients. You gotta, you know, you're gonna make mistakes. We make mistakes as an organization. 
you got to work like hell to recover. Yeah. And I think one, one thing that we learned from another guest, uh, Rachel Spasnik, was, you know, when those, when those customers sometimes disappoint you and turn in, and walk away, don't, don't give up on that customer. Yep, 100%. You know, she, and, she, and so she, she told the great story about how she went back and, and earned that customer's respect back. Uh, whereas many of us would have just been, oh, you know, upset and, and walked. But uh, so a lot of things going on in your company. What, I guess, as you look back on the 27 years, and that's a long time to be in business. There's a lot of companies that never make it 27 years and certainly don't make it to $400 million in revenue. We've been lucky a bunch of times. <laughs> uh, it's luck and, uh, and, oppor- <laughs> and opportunity, right? Uh, but the, uh, the thing I want to ask is, is there anything as you look back that you would do differently that would be a good advice to somebody just starting out? It'd save them some, some skin or some, you know. Yeah, I, I would say this. You know, there's this notion sometimes uh, in the public, right, that organi- organizations that are larger than the organization that you may have, that they don't make mistakes or that they don't have business issues on a regular basis. Or the reality is the problems are the same. They just may have another zero added to them or a bunch of zeros added to them, right? So what I would recommend is, don't think that, you know, if on the outside everything looks great, it's not. Every business has a challenge. Every business has, you know, its idiosyncrasies um, and things that you're going to have to navigate through. Seek seek business advice. Find yourself an executive coach. Find a mentor. Find somebody that can help you, you know, um, bring reality into the equation when things seem that they're very difficult or unsurmountable or uns- unsurpassable. There's always a resolution, Right. There's always a resolution to the worst of circumstances, um, but sometimes it takes somebody else to give you that perspective or give you, a, a you know, just a different point of view. Yeah. So just find somebody, look for somebody, pay for somebody, uh, belong to a professional organization, you know, join Vistage, join, you know, YPO, join something that'll give you an opportunity to get that kind of that different perspective. Right? That, that mentorship, that's great advice. And, you know, I've been in Vistage myself through three banks and, you know, 12 years going on and also with Carl Sprague, who's, who's just a great coach. So I second that advice. Um, so how about the future? So you've grown this company so large and you and Gerard have been together for all this time. What's the future look like for you? Look, we're, we're excited, right? Um, the economy is, is going through some changes and some challenges, and that's going to continue to happen. We're going to have increases and decreases in economic conditions, et cetera. But just generally speaking, we're really excited. We're excited about what the value that we can continue to bring to customers, um, what the market is doing. If you really think about what Amazon has done to how we buy as consumers, well, that's making its way into B2B, right? Yeah. So we have to find better ways to communicate with our customers, to do business with our customers, more digital ways of doing that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you're a fully digital bank. Well, that's the way of the future. So, you know, we have many areas that we can continue to make digital investments in and really continue to transform our business. We've gone through massive transformation of our own business over the last two years. Mm -hmm. Ironically, we had started that before COVID, then COVID hit. Um, We had to accelerate that. We did five years worth of transformation in really six months. Wow. (laughs) So it was, you know, neck breaking speed. Yeah. But that really put us on a path to drive more innovation on what we do internally, not just what we bring to customers. 
but you know how we deliver services to customers, what type of services we deliver to customers, um, how we deliver that information to customers. Our goal is to give our customers more information about their own environment than they know. And that's part of our value proposition, yeah. right? Because if, if you feel comfortable that you're in control, yet you've outsourced portions of what you need done in your environment, but you feel that you're in complete understanding, you have an understanding of where you're at, what, were you, what you're doing and where you're going next, and you have real-time data to support it, then whether it's your own internal staff or whether you contract someone like UDT, you're going to be comfortable in your skin, right, in terms of your level of responsibility back to your stakeholders. So for us, we see tremendous opportunity to continue to transform digitally, to continue to innovate, to continue to bring value to customers. And candidly, you know, we say that we're on the path to a billion dollars. So that's our goal. Yeah, I I believe you are. So, uh, well, it's been great. Any last advice to to the uh, audience? Yeah, I, I, I always say this and I'll leave the audience with three things, right? Number one, do the right thing and then do things right. Um, if you really think about that, there's an order to it because you can do the wrong thing and try to do things right and it not have a good outcome. You can do the right thing, but do things wrong and still have not a good outcome. So you, to the best of your ability, do the right thing and then do things right, right? Uh, second one is the story of the lion and the deer. If you're the lion, you wake up running because you're hungry. You want to eat the deer. If you're the deer, you wake up running because you're scared that the lion's going to eat you. doesn't matter how big or small you are, right, or what position you hold in an organization. The story of the lion and the deer is you always have to wake up running. You always have to work hard, right? Um, There's really no substitute for that. And the third thing is if you're in a partnership, like the one that I've had with my partner, don't keep score. Debate furiously the things that um, you need to in order to pick the right path, not my way or his way or anybody else on my team for that matter, but, you know, debate and argue about finding the right way. And then once you've made a decision, whether it's my idea, his idea or anybody else's idea, go with it as it's your unified approach. And if it's the wrong decision, don't keep score. Just sit back down again and figure out what you got to do to change it as quickly as possible. No, I told you so's, none of that, right? So don't keep score because in marriage, you keep score. And even when you win, you lose, right, Keith? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Same thing in a partnership. Yes. So uh, that's great advice. So I guess you want to be faster than that slowest deer too, right? That's that's right. (laughs) You want to be the slowest Right. (laughs) You're that or or hit someone, hit hit another deer along the way. Exactly. (laughs) Well, that's great advice. So we finish up with a little lightning round. I'm going to just throw some quick, like, questions More? at you. And you just, <laughs> just 30, you know, quick, quick I'll, responses. It'll be quick. Yeah. So your favorite quote. Oh, wow. Do the right thing. Do things right. Awesome. How about uh, your best moment in business and your worst moment in business? Best moment in business was when we... Uh, we competed against Apple, Dell, um, HP, Lenovo, some of the big guys, and we were awarded the largest digital one-to-one adoption in the country. Best moment. Worst moment was, you know, you build a business and, you know, when we first started this business, the only thing we had was loyalty. So we granted a lot of loyalty to employees, even when they weren't performing at their best. Mm. And instead of having those upfront and candid conversations about their need for them to continue to professionally develop, 
or um, find a different place for them to be employed at. We waited on many on many individuals in the organization as a startup. And in 2008, when the economy turned, um, I had to unemploy a lot of people at the worst possible time. Wow. And that was a big lesson for me. Yeah, I waited way too long mm. and because I, I didn't want to do something, and then I ended up doing it at the worst possible time. Wow. That's good advice right big there. Big lesson. Well. Yeah. Worst, worst moment in time. Yeah, I'm sure. So how about uh, a favorite TV show, movie, or Netflix series that you take oh, wow. time to watch? Um, recently, big into Viking shows. Oh, wow. So uh, The Last Kingdom, Valhalla, you know, kind of okay my family thinks it's crazy because i can watch all those things pretty pretty uh uh you know pretty grotesque at times and then go right to bed it's probably a lot like business you know and uh at times but you know it's it's fast and fierce (laughs) good but i've enjoyed that um how about a a great book or books oh wow um so podcasts better than uh, than books. Okay. But the one that I'm enjoying right now, my father just gave me a week ago is Saving Capitalism. So really good book, mm-hmm. talks about some really interesting things. I just got started, but it's probably one of my favorite ones because I think as a country, we need to learn from history. History tends to repeat itself because we typically tend not to look back at history. And this really talks about, you know, how some countries have lost, have lost their way and have lost capitalism. Wow. So Saving Capitalism. And I'm sure with your dad having left Cuba, it oh, really yeah. is uh, a powerful uh, message for him. Absolutely. Yeah. How about um, hobbies? What do you do to relax? Ocean. Anything on the ocean. Yeah. Fishing, swimming, boating, you know, uh, snorkeling, scuba diving, sitting on a water carpet next to a reef. That's great. You Anything must do some ocean. stuff to keep in shape, too. You're, you're in great shape. So thank you. I, I do exercise. I yeah. CrossFit. Oh, you do CrossFit. And if I don't do that, then I don't sleep because my mind doesn't stop. Okay. So we're going to do like some burpees when we finish up because I'm, I'm a in. CrossFitter too. So I'm we'll in. Have, we'll do burpees. I, can't, I don't think I can beat you though. How about favorite restaurant? Oh, wow. Um, I love restaurants. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I love restaurants. Um, so we're sitting here in Fort Lauderdale. So Lobster Bar, one of my favorites, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, down in South Florida, um, there's a bistro on Brickle Key. I love that place. It's kind of quaint, quiet. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. I could give you like a hundred. Do you ever go, because I know you live in Davie as well. You ever go to the Vienna Wine Bar in Davie? No. Oh, we're going to take you and your wife there. So we'll talk Aquilina, about though. I go to Aquilina a lot. Aquilina is great, too. But, but I've never uh, been to that one. Oh, yeah. It's a cool, it's like a local. Cool. Know, cool little spot, I'm into local, so. so that's good. All right. Henry, you've been uh, an amazing guest. Thank you Thank for you having so me. Much. It's been a real pleasure. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you. What a great podcast and guests there. I mean, some great wisdom from Henry Fletches from zero to $400 million in revenues, but over 27 years. So a lot of times we look at somebody running a $400 million company and we're like, it seems like they're an overnight success, but that's a lot of hard work, a lot of years, a lot of ups and downs. And we heard that whole story from, from Henry. You know, one thing that sticks in my mind from that conversation that we had was, do the right thing and do it right was his message. And I think it's a simple saying, but there's a lot of truth in that. So you know, some really some really valuable advice. Also the mentorship, Carl Sprague, Vistage, 
without Carl, uh, Henry wouldn't have been here today. And and I reached out to Carl for his help with that. So I thank him for that also. And and Vistage has been a very important mentorship vehicle for me as well. So um, anyway, thanks for tuning in. Uh, you can catch the uh, podcast on any of the main apps, Spotify. And also we're at localitybank.com. Check us out. Thanks for tuning in for Locality's Making Bank podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform to catch the latest episodes and visit localitybank.com today to learn more about all the benefits of banking local.